Jason Reed, you cover the NFL for us with ESPN and Anscape. And we're halfway through the 17-game season somehow. Uh, the trade deadline's passed. We've gotten a good look at all of these teams. So big picture me for a second. How would you describe the 2023 NFL season so far? Well, I mean, it's been great. When you talk about where the league is at and with the games and you know, the, the teams that are contending for the playoffs right now, I, I think that most NFL fans would be very happy. I mean, especially if you're a fan of one of the contending teams. I mean, the Chiefs, the Eagles, uh, the Cowboys, the Dolphins. I mean, there are some really great teams who are having great seasons to this point. And, you know, there's some surprising teams as well. And you look at this season and, and where we're at, and it's only going to get better. Well, this week in particular, this Sunday, wasn't probably great for circulation for a lot of people because you could have been stuck on the couch for about 13 straight hours between the early game in Frankfurt with the Dolphins and Chiefs all the way through the final game between the Bills and the Bengals. But before we get into the whole slate of games, what would you say is the best thing you saw from the league this Sunday? Oh, well, C.J. Stroud was the best thing I saw. I mean, huh. 400, 470 yards passing, five touchdowns. He's had an incredible rookie season to this point. He's been outstanding. But today, you know, leading that final drive for the, for the Texans to win. Stroud to the end zone. Touchdown, Tank Dell. C.J. Stroud leads a magical drive. This young man is special. You talk about the best thing in the league today, the best thing was C.J. Stroud. A week after Halloween, the NFL delivered a treat for us in week nine. Four big games, all in their own windows, just what every football-obsessed couch potato could ask for on a football Sunday. So we're going all in today with ESPN senior NFL writer Jason Reed. He'll tell us what we need to know as the Dolphins face the Chiefs in Germany, the Ravens welcome the Seahawks in Baltimore, the Cowboys and Eagles clashed in Philadelphia, and the Bills and Bengals met in primetime. I'm Israel Gutierrez. It's Monday, November 6th. This is ESPN Daily. Picture this. You arrive at your hotel. You have an important online meeting lined up with clients from all across the country. You have your laptop open, ready to begin, and the Wi-Fi is so terrible you can't even connect. These type of stressful situations happen all the time, but they don't have to. When you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you have access to their free high-speed Wi-Fi. So you can take care of those critical emails, join your meetings on time, and even unwind by streaming your favorite shows without having to worry. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Before we get to the game itself, Jason, the last time we saw these two teams on the field in Cincinnati was on Monday Night Football last season when DeMar Hamlin suffered a chest injury that led him to nearly lose his life. He was inactive tonight, but what did it feel like when the Bills and Bengals matched up in Cincinnati in a primetime game? Well, I think anyone who remembers that game or the aftermath of, of that injury on the field and 
seeing him taken off the field and everything that followed it, um, I, you know, I, I think it's something that a lot of people were impacted by. So just to put yourself back in that space where these two teams are facing one another, uh, I, I think it, it, it brings back a lot of difficult memories, you know, seeing a young man in that position, you know, as you noted, I mean, it almost cost him his life. So there's a lot of, um, for the players, for the organizations, for the NFL, it had to, you know, still have a pretty big impact, I would imagine, seeing these teams going back at it again. Yeah, thankfully, and obviously, DeMar Hamlin's life continues, but there is a level of closure just to seeing these two teams finish out a game in this stadium. And so, yeah, thankfully, Jamar Hamlin's still here and he can talk to us about the situation, but it's just another step in saying, hey, wow, we're over this. It's crazy. Thankfully, he's still alive. But we're here now in this game, Cincinnati versus Buffalo. We're well into the Joe Burrow sort of redemption tour here, Jason. His calf injury seems like it's well past him. We documented it last week, how well he seemed to move in and out of the pocket this week, he took it to the Bills. Is this what you kind of expect to see from Cincinnati the rest of the year? Yeah, absolutely, I do. Because you look at you look at Joe Burrow and who he is and what he's done in this league so far. I think he already has six playoff victories. And, and when you talk about someone who is at the top of this league, still so young, obviously, but that injury, you know, people were saying, well, oh, he's not worth the big contract. Oh, you know, look at this guy. He's not performing. Well, he, he was hurt. And, you know, these guys aren't robots. I mean, they are human beings and they go through things. But yeah, this is totally what I expect to see. I expect to see a guy who, you know, in, in terms of that position, is pretty much as good as it gets. If he's not 100%, he's he's a lot better than he was before. So I fully expect to see this guy making plays and having the, the Bengals in it all the way to the end. I still can't get past the Cincinnati Bengals and just how good they are when Joe Burrow looks like himself, when he's moving around in the pocket, when he's creating plays with his legs, when he's gaining huge first down yardage just how good is he when we talk about the elite quarterbacks in this league? You'd have to say Mahomes is still number one. Right. Because he's the guy with the two Super Bowl victories. He's the guy with the two MVP awards. But I think right below him, I think is Joe Burrow. I mean, he's, he's so young and he has all these playoff victories already. So I'd, I'd put him at two. And then I think really, for me, two is number three now. Really? I, I think, yeah. I, I, and and, and let, me, let me say why I think two is three. Hmm. Tua has not done it in the playoffs yet. I totally understand that. And Tua has not led the Dolphins to the heights that Joe Burrow has led the Bengals. But I think from a talent standpoint that Tua is right there. Nobody throws a better ball, a more picturesque ball than Tua. You know, people say, well, what about Josh Allen? Look, Josh Allen still commits a lot of turnovers, and Josh Allen hasn't done it in the playoffs either. So if if you're asking me right now, I think the order is Mahomes, Burrow, Tua. Well, that's very exciting to hear from a South Floridian who hasn't experienced uh, much success from the Miami Dolphins. But we'll get to them and the Kansas City Chiefs in a little bit right now. I still want to stick to the Bills 
We know they've got some injuries, most notably to Matt Milano, who's arguably their best defensive player. Uh, Micah Hyde was sort of banged up in this game as well. Are the missing pieces bigger than just the injuries for Buffalo, or is there more missing from this team if they're going to be a real Super Bowl contender? Well, isn't that the question we've asked ourselves? I mean, if we remember last year, the Bills came in with all this hype and, you know, they were going to be the team that was going to, you know, get it done and, and, and get to the Super Bowl. They had all the pieces. I mean, look, the Bills are a very talented team, even with the injuries. And Stephon Diggs is a true number one receiver. And Josh Allen, look, despite the, the turnovers and despite the fact that he hasn't done in the playoffs yet, still an immensely talented quarterback, may have the biggest arm of anybody in the league. But when we talk about the missing pieces, I, I think we really have to look at not the injury factor, but just from the standpoint that quarterbacks are the difference makers. You know, they get, as you know, they get too much of the credit for victories and too much of the blame for losses. But yep. when it comes to that, that level of separating it, look, I, I think one of the big things is that Josh Allen has not proven he is that guy who can elevate a team the way a Patrick Mahomes does or the way a Joe Burrow has, for that matter. Hmm. So, yeah, injuries are a factor, but I think, Really, when we look at that missing element, because they're a good team, but that missing element, I think, is mostly on the quarterback. Yeah, it's interesting because you mentioned Josh Allen's lack of playoff success, sort of knocking him down on your QB rankings a bit. And we're about to talk about a guy in Dak Prescott when it comes to quarterback play, when it comes to expectations. And he faced off with the Eagles on Sunday are we about to talk about Josh Allen in a few years the same way we're going to talk about Dak Prescott in that it feels like he can give you the best of the best, but his inconsistencies are just there too often to really rely on him? You know, I'm totally with you, and I don't think it's going to be in a few years we're talking about. I, I think if he does not get it done in the playoffs in a big way this year, I think that's going to be the narrative that sticks with him. You know, it was devastating that loss a few years ago where they he was throwing you know these, these massive bombs in, yeah. in Kansas City, lighting up the, the Chiefs, and then all of a sudden with basically no time left, Patrick Mahomes starts linking up with Travis Kelsey and they they win that that playoff game. I mean, if if the Bills win that game, I think the narrative around Josh Allen could be a whole lot different. But mm -hmm. woulda, coulda, shoulda, they didn't win. And I, I'm totally with you on that. But like I said, I think the difference is the only place I differ with you is we're not going to be talking about that in a few years. That narrative we're going to start talking about this year unless he winds up with a ring. Yeah, it kind of feels like two years ago we were talking about Josh Allen like he was an alien, like Victor Wembanyama. Yeah. And maybe two years from now we might be talking about him like he's Sam Bowie. So the best game of the afternoon slate going in seemed like it was Eagles- Cowboys and coming out of it was still Eagles, Cowboys. The Eagles won 28-23. There was a wild sequence at the end there, starting with Dak Prescott stepping out of bounds on his way to converting a two-point conversion. Prescott scrambling again, trying to run. Is he going to get there? He is for the two, and it's a three-point game. Hold on. Let's see. Does he stay in bounds? Oh, my no, goodness. No, he does not. And then having another drive after that to potentially tie the game. Can you take us through those last few moments there between the Eagles and the Cowboys? 
Well, I'll try. I mean, as I was watching it, I, I really couldn't believe it. You, you have Dak, who played a great game today, although he came up short. Um, you, you know, you got people get injured, flags flying. And then the game ends with Dallas right there, but they, you know, they, they can't get it into the end zone. All or nothing. Prescott dancing around. Just going to throw in the end zone. His catch is made by Lamb, but he's short. The Eagles will win it. And really, that was kind of emblematic of this whole day for the Cowboys. I mean, they played really well, but, you know, there was a, a touchdown that turned out not to be a touchdown, you know, on, on the drive, uh, two drives before that. And look, the Eagles are a great team. They have the best record in the NFL. They're 8-1. and one, and, and really, there's a very small difference, I think, between those two teams. But that last drive, it just shows that, you know, the Eagles do what they have to do to win in those situations. And as crazy as it was and as close as they came, the Cowboys just couldn't do it. Yeah, well, you mentioned, I think, emblematic of the Cowboys. I think this has kind of been, especially that last drive, was emblematic of Dak Prescott and his time with the Cowboys. Gives you just enough to get excited about. And then Dak Prescott on that final drive, he starts off by throwing a ball that gets a pass interference called. You mentioned flags flying everywhere. He got another roughing the passer penalty on top of a completion on the following play. Next thing you know, they're within scoring range with 27 seconds left in the game. And then it's penalty, sack, and then finally a fumble at the end there. And it just seemed like Dak couldn't finish the job. Yeah, and like you just said, I mean, it's that it's when you look at Dak's career, when you look at what the Cowboys have done with him as a starting quarterback, yeah, the, there's been a lot of great plays there. But really, when it comes down to it, they haven't won enough. They haven't, you know, they don't get over that hump in the playoffs, so to speak. And this game, you know, coming down the stretch, with all those things that happened, you know, what people would say is that, you know, a Patrick Mahomes would pull out that game. Right. Uh, even, a Jay, even a Jalen Hurts now, people mm -hmm. would say would pull out that game. But again, you know, like you said, you just nailed it emblematic of Dak Prescott's career, his run in Dallas so far. So the little trick about the NFL is that it seems like every week, even with the good teams, we're trying to figure out if they're actually that good. And so you look at the Eagles, and we're all pretty sure they're a really good team. And this time against the Cowboys, it seemed like they were maybe stealing a defeat from the jaws of victory here. What did you learn, if anything, about the Eagles today? Well, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, because as you as you watch that game, you're thinking, hey, you know, Dallas is playing really well. And, you know, they're 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 passing the ball and getting it to C.D. Lamb, you know, their, their number one wideout, And they're doing things that are causing a lot of problems. I mean, Dak was really applying pressure to that defense. But, you know, what it shows me the most about the Eagles, who are eight and one now, is that they have a great quarterback, too, in Jalen Hurts and they have that defense. And those things are great. And also A.J. Brown and, and, and Devontae, don't get me wrong, they're great wideouts. Mm -hmm. But what it showed me is that, once again, they're going to find a way to win. They're going to do what they have to do to make a play at the end, to make a play in the middle of the game, to make a play to take a lead and, and, and keep the momentum going. And that's what the great teams do. They, Even if they're playing another great team or a very good team, and that team is you know applying pressure, they're going to do the things they have to do at the end to come up with a victory more often than not. And that was another example today. 
Jason, you're going to have to help me figure out how to feel about the Dallas Cowboys because it wasn't very long ago that I'd kind of dismissed them after a loss to the 49ers. And then you look at them today against the Eagles, and yeah, they were right there. And you look at the statistics for Dak Prescott, and you're impressed. And you look at the statistics for CeeDee Lamb, and you're impressed. But you also realize, as we just mentioned, that Dak and his limitations are what maybe didn't allow you to finish off this victory. So what can I think of the Cowboys after this close one against Philly? Look, what I think you can think is that this is a good football team. You know, everyone kind of wrote them off after that 49ers loss a few weeks ago. Obviously, it, it, it was it was not a good showing. And a lot of people wrote off Dak. And people have written off Dak repeatedly. And until Dak wins in the playoffs, the narrative is going to be what it's going to be. But this is a good football team with a very good defense. You know, they, they have weapons. And Dak is a good quarterback. Now, is he an elite you know, get me to the Super Bowl quarterback, he hasn't proven that yet. So we can't say that that's who he is because he has not done it in the playoffs. But I still think this is a playoff team. And I think when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, and you specifically, when you look at the Dallas Cowboys at the end of the season, I think you're going to see a team that's going to be in the playoffs and will have another opportunity to change the narrative around Dak Prescott. But obviously, Dak Prescott's going to have to do that. I don't think a get-me-to-the-second-round-of-the-playoffs quarterback is what Jerry Jones really wants. And I don't know if we're going to get an opportunity to turn the page on another Dak Prescott narrative after this season. But I guess we'll see if there's more of a ceiling to them than we all think. All right, after the break, does the best team in the AFC actually call Baltimore home? Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is, not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. All 
Okay, Jason, let's go to Baltimore, where maybe the best team in the NFL annihilated the first place Seattle Seahawks today, 37-3. to This is the Ravens' third win this year against a team that came into the day over 500 at kickoff. So it's one of those teams where you ask, who have they beaten? Well, they've actually beaten somebody a few times. So is it possible that a 7-2 and team tied for the best record in the AFC has somehow been underrated at this point? Yeah, I, I think we have to acknowledge that that could be the case. Look, we all knew that this defense was going to be a monster defense with, with, the, with these linebackers they have, the secondary. They, they have size up front. They, they, they stop the run. They don't give up a lot of points. But you look at this offense, and look, this was a thrashing. I mean, you can say what you want to say about Seattle, but this was a first-place team, and this looked like, you know, a varsity high school, great high school team going against, you know, a freshman team. I don't want to disrespect the, the Seattle Seahawks, but this was complete domination. It was domination defensively. It was domination offensively. And when you think about the Ravens right now, look, Lamar Jackson's completing over 70% of his passes. Hmm. They run the ball. They, they have wideouts. Um, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., you know, you, you, know, you look at, uh, you know, Flowers, the, the, the rookie that they have. So I see this team right now as, when you talk about the most complete team in the AFC, you got to look at Baltimore and say, this is the best team right now in the AFC. Yeah, and you mentioned this running game. Today, they had 298 yards on the ground, and they were led by Keaton Mitchell, who had 138 of those yards. Inside handoff, Keaton Mitchell, brace tackle. He's oh, in the 35, 30, he's leg gone. race 20. He's rookies gone. to the 10, touchdown, Ravens! Those are the first 138 yards of his career. Tell me about this rushing game and how effective it is for the Ravens. Yeah, my goodness. I, I mean, when you when you average 15.3 yards a carry, which is I I think what uh, this young rookie uh, did today. Yes. It, 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 it. I mean, that speaks for itself. Now, you know, he's behind two guys in that rushing attack who've earned those jobs, but I, you got to get this kid on the field more. And, and you know, when you talk about this running attack, like when Lamar is not out there running as much as he used to and he's completing 70.5% of his passes going into today, I think that's a very good combination for when you get around to the playoffs. Uh, you don't want Lamar running nonstop and, you know, not complete enough passes to get the things done, you know, within the offense that you're going to need come playoff time. So I look at this Russian attack, you know, this young man, you, you insert him in there. Like you said, these are the first yards of his career, but I don't think they're going to be the last. I think when you look around the league and you say dominant defense, probably the first team that comes to mind is the Cleveland Browns. But I think over the course of, I don't know, the past 30 years, one of the franchises you think of when you think of dominant defenses is the Baltimore Ravens. They gave up three points and 151 total yards today. We've been looking for this offense to have this explosive moment or have this explosive stretch of games. But talk to me about this defense and how good they've been. Well, I mean, you look at these linebackers, you know, Roquan Smith, uh, you know, Queen, these guys together mm. are, are just fabulous. They have young, talented playmakers in the secondary. I mean, I think they, I mean, they were number one overall in yards coming into today. Um, they were number one in points given up. And, you know, the numbers that you just put out there, they absolutely 
stifled everything Seattle wanted to do. And this is a team that, you know, the, the Seahawks, who had moved into first place in their division. So yeah. I, I think when we when we talk about this defense, we knew coming into the season that this was going to be a very good defense. It's clearly right now the class of the NFL. And if you can combine that with just enough offense with the running game and with Lamar completing passes and being highly efficient, hey, that's a great combination. Okay, Jason, a couple of the other teams that could make a case for the best in the AFC were playing each other out in Frankfurt, Germany. It was the Chiefs and it was the Dolphins. This one came down to the wire, even though it started off with the Chiefs going up 21 to nothing and holding the Dolphins scoreless in the first half. And down the stretch with a chance to tie it down 7-2 in the Dolphins, they came up short. They had one missed opportunity from Tua to a wide-open Cedric Wilson, and then they fumbled a fourth down snap, and that was the end of the game. Let's start with the Chiefs here, Jason. Your takeaway from this performance. In Kansas City, I'm sure they're having a meltdown now. The offense produced 14 points. Okay, they had 21, <laughs> but but the defense provided seven of them on the on the strip fumble of uh, Tyreek Hill that, that the Chiefs returned for a touchdown. So I know like the Chiefs fans are just kind of apoplectic right now about what is up with our offense. These receivers keep dropping balls. You know, management should have gone out and signed this guy and that guy. Okay, so let's put that part of it to the side because I think that's going to continue for a while. I'm looking at this defense. You know, this is the best defense that they've had since Mahomes has been there. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they built this defense. It's, it's not just Chris Jones anymore. I mean, you have outstanding corners. You have, you know, speedy linebackers. I mean, this is a great defense. And, you know, the the... The Chiefs coming in this game were, I, I believe they were fourth in yards. They were second in points given up. Um, you're playing the best offense in the NFL. I mean, Tua is a fabulous quarterback. And, and, and Waddle and Tyreek Hill, he's got, you know, the best wide receiver duo in the league. They can run the ball. So, and, you know, Mike McDaniel, the head coach, is a, you know, kind of a mad scientist offensive coordinator. The guy's fabulous. So, this was an incredible test for this defense. And to, you know, only give up 14 points. You know, when the when the Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins, so many people were like, well, how could you do that? And the Chiefs kn- knew that you can't replace Tyreek Hill. Right. The guy is a future Hall of Famer. But one of the picks that the Chiefs got from the Dolphins was Trent McDuffie, the quarterback. Well, he's one of the best young corners in the game. We're actually... He's really emerging as one of the best corners in the game, period. And it was McDuffie who hit Tyreek Hill and stripped him of the ball, hmm. which, and the Chiefs wound up scoring what turned out to be the differential in the game. Chiefs lead 14 to nothing. They'll throw it in the near side. Tyreek Hill hit right in the stomach, fumbles the ball, picked up by Kansas City. Tyreek Hill with the catch and a fumble recovery up the sideline. Here comes Mike, it's it, Brian Cook, 10, 5, touchdown. That was a huge moment in the game. You had the Dolphins driving at the end of the first half. 
potentially closing to within 14-7, maybe even 14-3 if they don't get into the end zone. Instead, there's the strip and then the pitch back and the return for the touchdown, which turned that into a 21 to nothing game. Granted, Kansas City did not score again, but they still held on to win there. But at some point, do you need to be concerned about the lack of bite in the Chiefs offense? I think that the reason there's concern is because we are getting late in the season now. And, you know, Sky Moore had, a, had some nice plays today. Kadarius Tony had a nice play. Rishi Rice, you know, like, there's still a question here. Can these guys get separation deep downfield? When Tyreek Hill played for the, for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, he, he, you know, he was a deep play artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, would, he, he and Tyreek Hill would connect on 40, 50-yard plays all the time. Well, Patrick Mahomes doesn't throw the ball downfield anymore. And part of that is a concern or, or a trust factor there. When guys drop balls, you're, you're going to be, you know, uh, less uh, enthusiastic about putting deep balls in the air. I mean, you just, you don't do it as much. And so I think that, that yes, there's a reason to be concerned. I, I think that there are some bright spots or some emerging bright spots. But yeah, if I'm a Chiefs fan right now, you know, this was... They're seven and two. They could easily be nine and zero oh if if the, the receivers had played better to this point. Hmm. But you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda. They are seven and two. Their wideouts still have a lot to prove. Um, so yeah, I, I think there is a reason to be concerned. But look, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. They lost Tyreek Hill last year and they won the Super Bowl. I'm not willing to bet against them just yet. I'm wondering on the other side, you've got the Miami Dolphins who are one of those teams who we are trying to figure out just how good they are. It seems like they've demolished bad teams but have not been able to pull through against the good teams. Now, there were some injuries. There were some limitations to Jalen Waddell after taking a hit to the leg. But what did you see from the Dolphins in this one? Yeah, I think you nail it. This is a very good football team. And, and you start out with it being a very good football team because they have a fabulous young quarterback. You know, I remember when Tyreek Hill went to the Dolphins, he made some comments about how Tua throws a better ball yeah. than Patrick Mahomes. The bottom line is when you're building a team and you're building a team that's going to be, you think, a great team, you have to beat other good to great teams. Yeah. And the Dolphins have had a problem doing that so far. But I'm not down on them at all because, like you said, Waddle wasn't the same after that injury. And this is a team that they're, they're still young in so many key places. I think it's going to come. But, yeah, they still have to prove that when they line up against these really good teams, you know, they lost to Buffalo. They've lost to Kansas City now. So that's the next stage of their development. But I think it's going to come. Yeah, when you look at them and you say, hey, when you put it all together against a bad team, yeah, you might be able to score 70. It just shows you the type of potential. But if you nitpick and you pick apart their performances against the good teams, it is that play and fumble that Tyreek Hill had, which you could argue was a Mike McDaniel error in the play calling, throwing behind the line of scrimmage when you've got this, you know, innovative, explosive offense. You've got the end there with the botched snap. And it's been a problem with the Dolphins all year long is their center to quarterback exchange. But if you, you know, sort of fix those minor problems, you're looking at potentially a tie game against the Chiefs. You're looking at potentially having the lead against the Chiefs. And this is a Chiefs team coming off of a loss, and you know we're extra motivated. So if I'm the Dolphins, I'm still saying to myself, hey, we correct these minor mistakes. We are right there with these other proven teams. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, 
anybody who's down on the Dolphins for losing today, I don't really think they understand the game. This is still a team that is in a very good position. And like you said, they're at a point right now where, yes, they're not with the Chiefs and the and the uh, the Eagles, you know, the, the top two teams in the league. But I do think, and, and also the Ravens, because I have you, you got to put the Ravens right there. They may be better than the Chiefs right now. Of course. But I do think that this Dolphins team, if they can just keep Tua upright, and they're doing a very good job of that now, and fix a couple of these things, the center exchange, that's something you can work on. I think this team's in a great position to not just be in the playoffs, obviously, but I would not be surprised if this team is at least in the AFC Championship game because they have that type of talent. Hmm. Well, I mentioned that the Chiefs held the Dolphins scoreless in the first half. Dolphins held the Chiefs scoreless in the second half. So there is that. Jason, long day of football. I'm going to hit the Tums extra hard tonight. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. Hey, thank you. I'm Israel Gutierrez. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow.